Hello there, and welcome to Gooner U. My name is Dove, and my friend Keith is here to bring me up to speed on everything I don't know about soccer and Arsenal. This week featured UEFA Europa match number three at Bada Glimped again, and Premier League match number 10 at Leeds United. Hello, Keith. Good day, or goodly morning, I guess is the way to say it, as Arsenal fans. <laughs> uh, by the way, I believe, ah, it's okay. pronounced, I believe it's pronounced a Boodoo Glimped. Really? It's the slash through the O that does it, apparently. Well, yeah, so that it's actually funny you bring that up. Boy, we're we're getting <laughs> off track really early. I've been trying to say Odegaard the way that it seems like the commentators say it, which is Odegaard, like a soft yeah. U, and I guess it would be Badu Glimt, I guess, if I'm really straining to try and pronounce it the way that I think it works yeah i mean so I think you're saying well, it makes both of them pronounced like a I, be- I believe as i saw it was it's actually pronounced boodoo glimt and uh I, part okay. of this part of this also stems from the fact that the english don't actually know how to pronounce words in other languages i frankly listening to some of them pronounce spanish <laughs> names is embarrassing but uh yeah i'm just having some fun there so uh yeah nor uh, that thus ends this <laughs> this ends today's norwegian lesson i've been dying to learn more norwegian ever since the last time i saw thor um so yeah so uh some some other follow-up um we talked about grass stains last time and i am happy to report that perhaps there is something special in the grass at uh emirates stadium we will be keeping you updated on this as more (laughs) develops as I may make ever greater detailed notes about the grass stains that I see while watching their matches. But there were definitely grass stains at Leeds's field. I can't remember the name. Um, uh, that's Ellen, Ellen Road. Thank you. Yes. Yeah. So I definitely noticed a bunch more grass stains than I noticed in Arsenal's last match. Looking at shorts, looking at socks, I noticed a bunch. So we'll see. The next time we have white jerseys at, uh, at Emirates, we'll see how it goes. I- I so. wonder, I feel like it must be one of those things, those psychological things where now that you've talked about it, you can't stop noticing it. You didn't think about it before, but now <laughs> it's just, it's, it's everywhere. Well, hopefully we'll, we'll have a conclusion, hopefully the next time they do play at Emirates, because <laughs> I will be paying attention. So we'll see. And who knows? I'm, I'm hoping that maybe this is something distinct with Arsenal. It seems like it could be. When their groundskeeper had passed uh, a couple months ago towards the beginning of the season, they were talking about his contributions to, to the, well, I was going to say to the field, but it's literal in this case, but to, to the field of groundskeeping. To the field of fields. <laughs> So maybe maybe that's one of them. Maybe he actually found a way to make grass that doesn't stain jerseys. So this this is what you guys listen for, right? <laughs> so, <laughs> so first, we are going to discuss as quickly as possible the Buddha Glimped 0-1 uh, victory uh, that Arsenal had in match Europa match number three on October 13th. Uh, we're going to try and get through that as quickly as possible to talk about the much, much more exciting Leeds game. That just happened uh, yesterday as we record on uh, October 16th. So the first thing, uh, as ever, I noticed the incredibly lousy video stream uh, from these Paramount Plus streams. Uh, That's how I watch the Europa matches. Because the stream was so lousy, I wasn't able to tell at first whether they were playing on an artificial field or actual grass. But the commentators did mention it being artificial further in. Um, so I was wondering about that. How common is it? Is that more common outside the Premier League? Is it even common within the Premier League? Where and how often do you see artificial fields? 
So ideally, artificial fields you don't see at all. In a major league, certainly like the Premier League, and frankly, for quite a few levels down in England, it's going to be all natural grass. FIFA almost insists on natural grass for its... uh, for for major tournaments, especially the World Cup. But, you know, you go down to lower leagues, especially you go to a place like Norway, where, I mean, even the southernmost teams in Norway, it gets quite cold in the winter. And, of oh, course, sure. and, and Budu, I don't know if you caught this, Budu, the town they're in, is actually north of the Arctic Circle. Yeah, yeah, they mentioned that, yeah. So, it, Which, by the way, the first time uh, Arsenal apparently has ever played north of the Arctic Circle. <laughs> Um, oh, wow. First time is, ever? First time ever, apparently. I mean, they, the, the, number huh. of cl- the number of places you could do that are fairly small. So you know, it's not <laughs> like this is a cotton not There are plenty of clubs that cannot check that off their list. But uh, yeah, um, it, it's generally not very common. It's going to be common. You're more likely to see it in places where it get a lot of, it's going to have a lot of cold and really bad weather, like, like northern Norway. Or... Um, You'll see it also, actually, uh, in the United States, Major League Soccer has a number of uh, artificial turf fields. Uh, Usually they're ones that are shared with the NFL teams. So New England, Atlanta, Seattle, those are are artificial turf fields as well. Hmm, okay. Good to know. Um, Moving on to the match itself, I noticed that Glimt had a very early substitution. I think of their their striker, like one of their key players. They brought the one they had on um, off of the field and brought another one in. Do you know what was going on there? How common is that? I haven't seen that happen much before. Except, I guess, it, I mean, but even even in the Leeds match, actually, though, they, they waited until the second half to bring on uh, Bamford, so... Yeah, so there's, I mean, we've, and we sort of talked about this a little bit, and it's good to get a reminder that there's, there's two reasons to make a substitution. One is tactical, which is you want to make a, a change to change the way you're playing, uh, or perhaps your, your, your player is tiring, so you bring on a similar player, like a like for like, so you bring on a similar player to keep playing that way, but with someone who's fresh. Uh, so that's a tactical substitution mm-hmm. to change the game. The other thing you do is for injury. Uh, as far as I can tell, this was an injury substitution. That uh, was it. Saltless, oh, I, I think I, I got. He was. Uh, yeah, uh, that, I, I'm, re- I'm rereading the commentary. It says there that he that it came off because of injury. So you know, it, it's not always oh, a guy okay. goes. It's not always a guy goes down and has to be attended to by by the trainers. Sometimes it, you're watching him run, and as the manager, as the trainer, you're watching. But no, something's wrong. You or maybe they know oh, he picked sure. up something. He pick up something in warm ups, you know, or maybe they, they were watching him, and as he's playing the game, think, ah, he might be able to play. You watch and go, no, he can't go. Uh, but yeah, I yeah, you only okay. get so you only get in the course of the game, you only get five substitutions, which actually there's a lot because it used to be only three, but you only hmm. get five substitutions, and at, the rule is you can only make them in what they call three windows. So you only get three chances during a game to make subs. Uh, not counting halftime, you can make a switch at halftime, and that doesn't count. But you you make your five subs in three windows. So to use one, that was what ten fifteen minutes into the game. That's that's yeah. not good. That's that's really yeah. not good. So it's uh, obviously you know we don't want anyone to hurt. Hopefully he is he is okay. But uh, yeah, that's that's an injury substitution. Right. 
Okay. Uh, my next note is Saka's back, baby. <laughs> and mm-hmm. that first, I guess the only goal, because they ended up only uh, winning nil one, but uh, the goal was like off his chest. That was, that was uh, one that I haven't seen before. <laughs> yeah, it was. I mean, in a lot of ways, it's a, it's a reminder. Uh, it, it reminds me a little bit of, of the goal last week that, it, that Inkedia got off the post uh, against, uh, against uh, Glimp, Buddha Glimt in at the, at the Emirates was, you know, in some ways, it, it's it's a bit of fortune. The ball comes right to you. But as we talked about with Enkedia, and it's definitely true for Saka as well, it, there's there's a skill in being in the right place so that when the ball rebounds that way, you're there and in position. And in, in Saka's case, it's a little less deliberate than Eddie's finish, but it, it's able to hit off him yeah. and get into the goal. So, you know, it's a credit to him as well, although it, it reminds me very much, and I saw some of these comparisons. Uh, Arsenal had a player a, a couple of years ago I mean, like we're talking, you know, three years ago, maybe a guy named um, Danny Welbeck, really nice guy. Everybody loved him, the striker, but he had this really interesting habit of seeming like he got hurt every time he scored a goal. Hmm. Like it seemed like every time he scored, he got it. It, it came off his face or his, you know, a, a part of his body it shouldn't have. He <laughs> oh, fall, no. he fall awkwardly. It, it just he managed to score <laughs> the most awkward looking goals, and so it was very, it was very Welbeckian, so to speak. Uh, huh? <laughs> yeah. So yeah, that was, that was it works. I guess whatever whatever you have to do to get it over. Mm-hmm. Um, the the next thing is I think this is the first game I recall seeing this season where there was not a single Arsenal chant to be found. I guess not too many North Londoners could be bothered to to travel into the Arctic Circle to follow their team. Um, so I was paying particular attention to the Norwegian chants, which had the odd characteristic of largely seeming to be translated American metal songs being sung in Norwegian. I, I recognized specifically Come On, Feel the Noise by Quiet Riot, and then uh, Twisted Sisters, We're Not Going to Take It Anymore, hearing, hearing each those in Norwegian. It took me a little bit, but uh, I recognize those. That was an interesting way to do it. I've heard before about Norway really being into metal. <laughs> yeah, the Scandinavian metal bands. I, you know, I, I obviously I heard it. I really, really wanted to to, to look up what they were singing and what they were actually saying, but I, I couldn't find any any transcripts or transla- translations. I did hear Arsenal fans a little bit. Uh, there were definitely some who traveled. Oh, okay. And Arsenal fans generally travel well. But you're, I mean, it, with and it's it's a smaller stadium, so uh, things are going to be a little more compact. So um, that's partly why the sound, sure. you know, it really holds it very well. But uh, yeah, I mean, they, you know, they were they were a great crowd. They were having fun. Uh, apparently, is that they we were the first European, you know, European team to go up there and win. You know, at their stadium in in like 15 games like they had won 15 straight european hmm. games at home and and i looked at the list as a lot of its small clubs who are you know in lower leagues than norway's but uh, one of them was roma who is actually a pretty good italian team they beat roma twice so you know hmm. that's a wow. that's a really it's it's a it's a really good result we don't think of it that way with a norwegian you talk about winning in norway but it's actually a really good result for us yeah, well, and it, it gets back to what you, the expectation you had set last week when we spoke, which was that this would be a closer match. And it definitely was. You could clearly tell it was much closer. I mean, just not only by the score, what it ended up being, but um, they, they really, uh, they made a good run for it. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and I have to say as well, I mean, obviously traveling as far as they did and, and then coming off the Liverpool game, which was obviously very emotional, high intensity, a lot of energy. 
you know, that there was always going to be a bit of a letdown, as we said, that's a tough, mentioned it's a tough environment. So I, I, I wasn't, you know, super surprised to see that. I, but, I, but I'd say we, you know, we, we didn't play well and, and Glimt did. And we were a bit fortunate that the game ended, that yeah, we were a bit fortunate it was 1 0 and, uh, you know, a bit fortunate to get at three points, but uh, good for us. Well, yeah, uh, a theme that we will repeat in the next game, I think. But um, a couple, a couple final questions. So, toward the end of the game, I think it was. It looked from the telecast like it was raining really hard. I did not see a hint of rain on any of the players or the ball or the field. I mean, and you know, this could just be the the lousy stream that Paramount Plus provides. But um, do you know what's going on there? Was was the field covered, but the stands weren't, or something? Because they were clearly showing rain overlapping the visuals of the field. So, I, what do you know what was going on? Um, I, I gotta say, I don't remember it raining during the game, but it's possible. I, that's just my memory. Uh, you know, I wasn't paying that much yeah, attention to it. it. I mean, it may also be what I'm talking about that you, yeah. if you weren't paying close attention, you didn't see the shots where they were showing the rain coming down. You yeah. I, I mean, it did, it's one of those that didn't really occur to, I mean, you, you watch games in England and it's raining, like it rains in England. Like, you know what you you can't, you can't even think about it because it happens all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, I guess I have to say to notice it. I, you know, I always find that very interesting to watch games that are occurring in the rain because you'll hear the announcers talk about oh, it's raining. You see the fans putting on coats and everything, but because of because of the camera, there's just a lot of times you don't see it, and it's it, it, unless you get like a close up view or do they do one of those views of like the light stands and you can see the water coming through the lights and it just. Mm-hmm. But yeah, you know, I think it's just one of those. It just kind of looks that way sometimes. I don't. I don't think it's yeah. Just maybe one of those, maybe a television phenomenon. Yeah. Yeah, just one of those weird visual tricks that that TV plays on us. Yeah. So so last question with this match, um, they referred to in the telecast that this is, I think, the third or something. They said something about it being a certain game in the group. And it made it sound like Buddha Glimt and Arsenal and maybe one or two other teams were in a particular group, I'm guessing, within the Europa match. And I had no idea what they were referring to. Can you shed some right. light so, on that? Right. So you remember we have, we're we in the this group in the Europa League. We're, we're in Group A. So that's us, uh, Buddha Glimt, uh, PSV Eindhoven, who we'll see uh, this week, and then uh, Zurich. So the four of us are in the group, and we play each other twice, once home, once away. Um, Mm-hmm. For us, for us, this was our third game. Uh, I think it was the third game for Glim. To, uh, we we had we lost a game, or we had to have a game rescheduled uh, because of some of the the police necessities of the Queen's line mm-hmm. and state and the and the funeral. Uh, but yeah, so we we're in. This was the the our third Europa League group stage game. We still have three more to go uh, before the stage finishes. I, 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 it is really important to us. Uh, overall to finish in first because we'll advance around further in the the knockout stages which are all going to be played uh usually starting in february uh whereas if we if we end up finishing in second and and psv is going to be our chief competition if we end up finishing in second it means we have to play around earlier we're probably going to play a team that'll actually drop down from the champions league which is you know, it's theoretically a, not a great team, but you look at some of the teams that are look like they could drop down from the Champions League. There's some really dangerous ones potentially we could wind up facing. So, okay, winning, there's a lot. Uh, there's a really a lot riding on potentially winning the group. It'd be a really big boost to us. 
Now, is the group decided arbitrarily or is it based on standings? So they had a draw, and I'm trying to remember, I wonder if we talked about this. Uh, they had a draw earlier. They have come up in passing, yeah. Yeah, they they had, I mean, they, they, they dropped ping pong balls in, a, in, you know, some pots and they pull them out. And so there, there are some rules and restrictions, like you can't, uh, you know, two teams from the same federation can't play each other so we couldn't be drawn with Manchester United because they're they're in England. Right, okay. Uh they're split up by uh, a ranking system called the UEFA coefficient which is based on past uh European um whatever we're calling it past European you know past European success. Uh so we, you know we we were one of the higher ranked teams so we got our our group theoretically were with some lesser teams uh that are drawn into the group with us so oh okay right so they yeah so they're All not right. they are somewhat chosen at random but but with there is a system in place yeah that makes sense All right, so Liverpool, this was uh, a very, very exciting game. There were a lot of interesting things that happened, uh, starting with the beginning of the game. Do you want to talk about your uh, viewing circumstances with this one? And then I can can tell mine once we get to the opportune moment. (laughs) Yeah, so uh, obviously, as, as I'm sure listeners know, I watch the games live. Uh, with the uh, the Houston Gooners, uh, the uh, the supporters group here in in Houston, Texas, and uh, we start watching the game, and about a minute in, the game seems to stop. And and, and you know because we're, we're, I mean, we have the bar, we have the commentary going, but we we we're, we're talking amongst ourselves, we're making noise, so you can't you can't really hear what they're saying very well. Um, and about a minute into the game, they. St- they just stop the game, and it's clear the officials are are checking their electronic equipment. Apparently, there was a power outage in the stadium. Right. Uh, so it affected, and and I didn't quite catch this. I learned about this afterwards. It affected not only the electronic equipment for the referees. It affected. Uh, it's called the Hawkeye technology, which is what judges uh, the goal line and you know balls on, near the goal line mm-hmm. if they're in or out of the goal. Uh, it 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 uh, disconnected the VAR, the video assistant referee. Apparently the main scoreboard right. went off, so they couldn't even like display a message to the fans to tell them what was going on. There were probably about ten to fifteen minutes where they they were clearly looked like they were fiddling with their their microphones or trying to fiddle with the electronics. The players are on the field; they're they're doing warm ups. There's some coaching going on, and then finally they pulled everyone off the field for about half an hour. Wow! And then finally, about forty minutes after the game was supposed to start. Uh, they're, they're back in, they come back on, I guess they had gotten it fixed and started. And, you know, I, I, on the one hand, certainly they, they played the sport for years without micro, the referees having microphones. Like they played it for cent- for a century and a <laughs> half without VAR, like in a sense, mm-hmm. you know, you don't need those things. On the other hand, as I'm sure we'll talk about, having VAR wound up working out really well for us when it mattered. Yeah, how different this game would have been if it had been forged ahead in the dark. Yeah, that that would have changed things significantly. So... So, yeah, so for me, um, (laughs) I was just hanging around on Sunday morning, and this was a game that um, it did actually stream live on Peacock, which meant I didn't need to wait until the next morning to watch it. I was able to watch it more or less right after it finished. I'm sitting around and uh, just doing stuff with my son. And I get a message from you, Keith, that was saying, yeah, allow some extra time. Things got weird. 
And I'm like, oh, okay. That got me interested to start the game earlier than I might have otherwise to see what you were talking about. Ordinarily, maybe I would have waited until I'm the only one who's still awake in the house or something like that to watch it. But so I started and I'm thinking, oh, here we go again. The stream starts more than a minute after the game had gotten underway, just like what happened last week when Martinelli scored the goal right at the beginning, right? I'm thinking, oh, okay, what did I miss this time? But I see that there isn't any play going on and the referee is walking away from the goal and it seemed like, yeah, they they weren't playing and I start hearing the commentators talking about coming back after 37 minutes of power outage. So I didn't actually have to sit and wait for it or even fast forward. Uh, Maybe charitably giving Peacock the benefit of the doubt, maybe that's a specific reason they cut off the beginning of the stream this time. Maybe it was easier for them to lop off the entire first 38 minutes instead of cutting out some, you know, 37 minutes after a minute in. I don't know. But yeah, so... I was still curious because I didn't have to sit there and wait if maybe there was something else that ended up causing a delay too, which it did turn out. So there, there was some additional hijinks later, but, uh, but that, that was, oh boy. Yeah. That, that certainly doesn't seem to happen too often. It's funny. You're saying you were able to still watch the players on the field. The, the cameras apparently didn't lose power. I guess all the referee stuff is on a separate system, I guess. Yeah, apparently. Um, yeah, it didn't seem like. Yeah, I mean, the commentators were were there. The cameras were rolling. The commentators were talking. It is very interesting how that's. I certainly can't claim any any particular knowledge of how that's all wired together or how it works, but uh, yeah, right. Yeah, interesting. So um, you had mentioned last week that Leeds had a lot of American players. Can you identify some of the ones who ended up uh, figuring in who we would have seen on the field? Sure. So there's really three Americans of of real note at Leeds. The first one is actually not a player. It's their coach, Jesse Marsh. Um, Oh, okay. He's an American actually prior. So he actually was in a major league soccer. He coached at uh, with the New York Red Bulls. He was their coach for a couple of seasons there in a group. So, so um, yeah, they're, they're in part of a group. uh, Red Bull, the energy drink owns several teams. Uh, He went from, right. From from New York to their club in Salzburg. Uh, all, all, by the way, other clubs are called Red Bull because why not? Uh, right. He went to he went to Salzburg <laughs> and actually was a manager. I think last season uh, at uh, their their biggest club, which is Leipzig in Germany. So he was a manager there. It didn't go particularly well. Uh, so he was fired, and he is now at Leeds, um, where he's. We, we've talked about the comparison before between real life and, and Ted Lasso, and there are a lot of Ted Lasso jokes about Marsh because he he is something of a he is something of a, a folksy guy in certain ways, kind of a very can be very gregarious, outgoing. Um, he, he does know the game very well. He is not a, a a novice to the sport, of course, in the way that in the way I, Ted Lasso actually is, but but certainly is a. Yeah. a, a the jokes are easy to come by, but I think he's done a credible job which, with what is a, a effectively a mid-table team. Yeah, I mean, he is a football coach, not a football coach. So he has that going for him. <laughs> right. So in addition to the coach, there are two Americans in their starting lineup. Uh, one of them 
we'll, we'll lead off with uh, Tyler Adams, who played in the central midfield. And we'll lead off with Tyler Adams because he is actually from Wappingers. He went to Ketchum High School. He played, oh, for, okay. played for New York Red Bulls. He's a, he's a local boy for, well, still for you, but also to an extent for me. So uh, he, in he your history, to, yeah, <laughs> yeah, he went to he went to Ketchum High School, which is which he plays. He's a regular starter for the national team. He's a, he's a really nice young player. Uh, he actually played with Marsh uh, at Red Bulls uh, in New York, and also played with them. I forget which I think he he was at Salzburg. I don't know if he played with them at Leipzig too, but he's he's they have some experience yeah. with each other. Um, so 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 that's a. You know, so that's good. Uh, he's he's a really nice player there in the central midfield. The other one was one of their wide players, uh, is Brendan Aronson, who uh, I don't remember where exactly he's from, but he came up with okay. uh, with the Philadelphia Union, who's the the MLS team out of obviously out of Philadelphia, and uh, right. and he transferred over. Another good young player plays for the has has gotten time and call ups with the national team. Uh, a really good player. Uh, just uh, yeah, both of them, and 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 particularly Aronson was Aronson was a terror, and we we were kind of talking about this pregame. Yeah, some of, some of the gang. I mean, we were talking about Tomiyasu starting, and, and and Aronson was playing on that side. And you know, on the one hand, you know, Tomiyasu has some strengths, and you know, Arsenal talking about being defensive. He said, yeah, but here's the thing, you know, Brendan Aronson's a good player, but he's not Mo Salah, who's the the Liverpool winger that that was contain Tommy Asu was containing last weekend. He did a pretty good most solid impression at times on, on Sunday. He had a very good game, was very dangerous, and and like much of the rest of Leeds was causing us a lot of problems. Um right. One one last one I do want to throw in. Uh he's 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 actually he's not he's technically English. He was born in England, but he spent enough time in the United States where he's actually eligible to play for the US national team if he wanted to. Um, and, and actually I, I remember seeing him play it at, at, with New York city is uh, Jack Harrison, uh, who was on the field for Leeds as okay. well. So there's a lot, of, there's a lot of pieces at Leeds, which are, uh, you know, which, which Americans are going to be familiar with and are going to be, going to be recognizable and are, and are, and are some good guys too. You know, I, it's it, it, Leeds has a, a very particular history as a club. There are a lot of, there are a lot of teams that for a lot of reasons do not like them, which is not entirely unfair. Uh, but but cur- their current their their current lineup has uh, you know from an American or even a neutral perspective has a lot going for them. They play a very aggressive pressing style. They're a lot. Of, they're very interesting to watch. They did, they beat Chelsea I think three nil earlier this season. So they do have, um, you know they do have some things going for them. But uh, yeah, it's funny you mentioned with the Red Bulls. I'd noticed um, some of the other teams because I was just poking through um, after the the glimpse match. I was looking, and you notice I'm trying to avoid saying the, <laughs> the first part of their names. It's just easier that way. Yeah. But um, I was poking through uh, the other UEFA matches going on this week and and next week, and um, yeah, I saw some of the other uh, Red Bulls teams that are playing in various, uh, I think, Champions League games, and I did start watching one champions league stream just to see does does the video quality get better in the champions league and no no it's it's (laughs) the same as we have in the europa league it doesn't get better but uh yeah so um we only had one goal scored and actually counted in the final tally in this match which was made by Saka, who was really having an amazing comeback this this weekend last week and when he took that shot 
I didn't think there was any chance of that going in. It was such an acute angle. It didn't even seem like it would have been possible for it to go in. And when it when it hit the the back corner of the net, I was just astounded. So when he scored that goal, we, we didn't. So certainly watching live, we didn't like shout and scream in sort of the way we we normally would. So much as we um, just kind of all gasped in wonder. I, that goal is <laughs> that. I mean, it, 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 I mean, if you got if you the guys there have have some have a little bit more experience, have played at a you know slightly higher level than than you know a a, a, a you know a, a middle school rec league that like myself had. Um, <laughs> you know, there's there is a tiny window because of the angle he's at, where he puts it. There's a tiny window in which he can put that ball, and it's he puts it exactly where it belongs. That that goal is yeah. unreal. Yeah, between where he was and where the keeper was, it was nearly impossible. It was really astounding. Just I, I we we almost like he scored, and there was that like a half second, like wait, what he did? What it actually went in? Yeah. Oh my god! Because <laughs> when it hits the net, you're so used to those weird angles of the ball hitting the net, but hitting on the side of the net because he missed it, and you have that pause, like no, that's in, that's in. He scored. Well, that yeah, ball. exactly, and. Elsewhere in this game, we actually had two separate goals, well, goal attempts, two, two separate shots where the ball bounced off of the outside wall of mm-hmm. the net that, that happened. And that's that's the type of thing that it looked like it was. Yeah, it was, it was yeah. crazy. Uh, yeah, I just I mean, just to, I mean, again, the number of players on the field who could do that, even for a club like Arsenal, the number of players who could do that is very small. And Bukayo Saka is one of them. And he's. He's so good. He's really, really yeah. good. And 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 as you point out, has has really found a, a we call it a, you know he's really found his form. He's he's been play he play he's played well all season, but he's really sort of found it. And you know you play well, and eventually you get the results. The goals start to come, and they're coming for him. Yeah, yeah, he's uh, busted open the dam. <laughs> mm-hmm. But yeah, and that's that's really all the notes that I have for the the first half. And it went pretty well, I would say, overall for Arsenal. They were pretty dominant, and uh, it was a shame they only scored the one, but it was a pretty solid half for them. Yeah, over, overall they played well. Um, you know, and, and and that's a tough thing. Leeds, Ellen Road is a is a really good away park. It's a tough place to go. Um, and, and and you know, again, we talked about the they're they're playing two games a week now from here until November, which is a lot. They played um, two games, uh, the, the, the two games a week. They also had, uh, you know, they were coming from Norway several days before. You know, there was a bit of a hike still coming down the Liverpool game. So there's a lot sort of, I guess we'd say, sort of potentially lined up against them. And and to go into yeah. Leeds and, and played particularly well in the first half, which is not what we can say about the second half. Um, no. <laughs> so I, I know we, we have talked about this. You know, uh, Patrick Bamford came on at a halftime substitution, made a definitely made a substantial difference in the way the game was played. And it seemed, oh, it sure. looked like, got himself a goal uh, early in the second half. And yet somehow it wasn't. So I'm curious, as that goal was pulled back, what did you think of that decision? Well, yeah, at first I was, I, I couldn't believe that they they pulled it back. And I, I was watching the replay footage. And even after they explained what the foul was, 
it just didn't make any sense to me. Like it looked like his hand touched Gabrielle's back. They said that he was resting on him or, or something like that. It just didn't, I, I didn't understand. I was happy, but I didn't understand why they took the goal away. It didn't seem called for. Uh, yeah, that is a, that was a touchy call. I, I, we, we're all pretty happy about it, but, uh, there, there's that part of you that watches it and just goes, if they had called that the other way, if we had scored and had a goal taken away from that, <laughs> I would, I would be very displeased. I think, I think it's yeah, start breaking some beer glasses or something. <laughs> uh, yeah. That might, that might happen. Again. Well, you know, no, that's that we got a score goal. We score goals for that. We score goals for that one. Um, yeah, no, we, we, you know, that's, it's one of those ways. Cause it's easy to get caught up in the moment of calls, right? Oh, we it got called against us. That's a bad call. Or, you know, it's for us. It must be good. Uh, you know, a good, good little way to catch yourself. If you feel, if you, don't feel like giving totally up to the emotion, but if a good way to catch yourself is if they called that against, if they called that the other way, how would you feel about that? If we had lost the goal for that, right. I would have been very mm-hmm. unhappy. So I, I, I completely sure. understand Leeds's, um, Leeds's disappointment, the, the, the fans' anger at that. I think that is probably deserved. Yeah. Well, so Bamford did make a huge contribution to this game. His next contribution was receiving a foul for which he got to take a penalty kick. And I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm a little happy to say, I think something that I talked about last week turned out to be true. It seemed to me, we talked about how we talked about Saka's beautiful penalty kick that he made last week and he scored and how he was aiming for the corner and it worked out beautifully that there was just no way the keeper could have possibly reached that. And I pointed out, yeah, I mean, it's, it's great when you hit it, <laughs> but the risk is you're more away from the center and you're more likely to, miss and go on the other side of the post and that's what happened to Bamford he uh he the keeper went in the right direction but it wasn't necessary and it, it went wide so that I, I mean are you seeing in the press what what people are saying about that we've talked about how embarrassing it can be um I didn't see any particular reaction I mean it, it, you know it's it's I mean it it was certainly a deserved penalty it is a handball on Saliba that you know and and, and Saliba did not have a good game I, I think it, you know we we, yeah. we praised him a lot this year, but he was not good on on Sunday, and that's going to happen. He's still a young guy, um, but yeah, it's it wasn't good, and you know the ball comes off his arm in an unnatural position. That's a that's a penalty. Mm-hmm. It should have been, and but you know sometimes it, it works out. You know that yeah, Bamford just kind of misses it. He just rolls it wide, and it was you know missing a penalty sometimes watching the other team miss a penalty feels better than watching your team score one because it's set up. It's basically set up for you to be successful, you know, like for the, for the offensive player to score. And then when he doesn't, you feel like he stole one, Um, which is becoming, which is becoming a theme in this game for Arsenal. They stole that one. (laughs) Right. Yep. Well, yeah. So, I mean, so let me, Fast forward a little bit and get to the rest of how I watched this game. So I watched the first half and I watched it pretty much continuously. And then I watched the first maybe 20 minutes or so of the second half, at which point my son asked if he could play one of his Lego games, one of his Lego video games on the PlayStation. I was like, okay, fine. Yeah, go ahead. And and we got ready to go out and do some errands. And I 
I came back and got busy with other stuff and left the game kind of dangling. It was, we were still obviously ahead one nil and you know, whatever. It wasn't a particularly exciting moment. They had a bunch leads that had a whole bunch of shot attempts by that point, but we were holding on. And then we took a break. This is like later at night. I was watching a movie with my wife and we, we took a break from it for a little bit and I was watching and the point at which we were ready to get back to the movie was right as the next round of collisions between Gabrielle and Bamford had happened. And wow, what a <laughs> what a situation. Yeah. So, uh, so as you saw, this is late on. This was I don't, were they in stoppage time at this point or was it or was it just about to get to stoppage time? I, I, I don't remember. Yeah, exactly. I don't recall. So, I mean, we're talking close to the end. I think it was Arsenal. right before. Yeah. I think it was before of a stop. Yeah, I think I'm pretty sure it was before of a stoppage time. Right. So the so the ball comes in and, um, you know, the two players collide. Gabrielle, to me, it looked fairly clear that as he's going down, he kicks out with his foot to Bamford. That's clearly what the referee saw. And he's given a red card for that. Is that a little harsh? Maybe, but also it, it's the kind of thing you just can't do. Um, and, and, and I love Gabrielle. He's a, he's a great player, but he, he does these things where he's, he sometimes lets his emotions get, get the better of him. He's had a couple of times when he's been, he, he's picked up unnecessary cards because he gets just a little, he, he can be wound up and he says things that, um, he shouldn't. So, uh, yeah, but, but VAR popped in again. What do you think? Well, well, yeah, I mean, this, I think this time, this time the VAR absolutely got this right. I mean, watching it unfold, it was very clear from the audience's standpoint. And, you know, I don't know about in the stands, but at least on TV, it was very clear. Like I was aghast as soon as I saw Bamford just shoulder into (laughs) Gabrielle and knock him over unprovoked. I don't even think the ball was there (laughs) when that happened. I was like, oh my God, that's gotta be a red card for Bamford. Right. And who knows if the next part hadn't happened, maybe it would have been, but then you saw what Gabrielle did afterwards. and like, oh, this has just got interesting. And it was, it was a clear case of like you see in hockey all the time where the ref doesn't see how the fight started. Right. Um, and maybe you can tell me how they deal, what the equivalent of VAR would be in, in NHL, for instance, but I don't know if they have something like this to kind of rewind it and see how a fight actually started to adjudicate. But um, I'm glad that it did get thoroughly reviewed and that the the ref agreed that, yeah, I mean, it, it, the second penalty was precipitated only because of the first one. And that was pretty flagrant. And yeah, so the fact that he still got a yellow card. Yeah, I mean, (laughs) it was clearly intentional. And I think he was happy to receive the yellow card since it was replacing a red card. Um, It's it's a little unfortunate. I almost feel like I I think if I'm recalling correctly, they ended up giving Arsenal the free kick, even though Arsenal got the yellow card. Is that what happened? Okay, so yeah, so uh, there's a couple things that are that happened there. Um, First off, as you point out, as they looked at VAR, Bamford clearly throws the shoulder. So he's initiated contact, um, which means he commits the foul. At that point, what happens afterward 
Um, because what, what? Let me step back for a second. What happens there by by calling the foul on Gabriel and giving him the red? That's a foul that occurred in the box. That was another penalty. Yeah. So that so I mean, if you're Arsenal, if you're Arsenal, almost at that point, the red doesn't matter because of how little time is left. The fact that you're giving up the penalty at that point is the real the real problem from from your perspective. Uh, but sure. um, you know he the foul supersedes everything else. So once the foul happens, everything else after that is a, is separate from the run of play. So once the foul happens, anything Gabriel does after that, he can be penalized for. Indeed, he was. He gets a yellow, which I, I don't I don't think was unfair. He does kick out. It does look to me like mm. he kicks out. I think that was probably a fair decision. It looks pretty intentional. Yeah. Yeah, but but <laughs> that becomes what in 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 American football would be called a dead ball foul. So it happens when the play isn't happening. So it's not judged the same way as it would be, say, if it was if it was a tackle or a shoulder thrown, a foul committed during play, which would have led to a penalty. Yeah. Um. So in that sense, I, I, the referee got it right. And, and we talked about VAR going out in the beginning. This is what VAR is for. Um, and this happens, by the way, in part because several play goals and red cards are all automatically reviewed. Mm-hmm. Now, most goals are pretty clear cut. A lot of red cards, it doesn't take a lot. But if you're giving out a red card, the referee is already in, the, in his ear talking to the, the video referee about about red cards is it is it legitimate you know maybe we should call him over uh potentially a yellow you know if it's a yellow but the the VA video ref looks and says this is really bad you should look at it the referee can go over look at the video and say you're right that is bad take away the yellow and just give a straight red so red cards mm-hmm. are, are, are built into that system that way um and that's so they were going to review that anyway. And in reviewing it, you can see clearly Bamford initiates the contact. It looks more like he's throwing himself trying to earn a foul. Obviously, it, it leads to the shoulder. Uh, and he was rightly called for a foul, which is why Arsenal ends up with a free kick. So that's where that call was. Well, right. I mean, so, yeah, it's just it's odd that Bamford, since it was clearly intentional, that, that seemed like that was a yellow card offense to me. Like it was just out of nowhere, the ball wasn't even there. Like you said, it was a dead ball foul. It was just, <laughs> he was just trying to knock the guy over. <laughs> uh, I mean, you could, I suppose but, you could argue that. Uh, I, at that point in the game, I didn't care. I just wanted it to be over. <laughs> just wanted it to get, <laughs> yeah. just wanted the game to end. I, you know, I, I, I don't, I wouldn't have bought that as a yellow. I, th- I, I guess you could argue it. If you really, if you're looking at it as a yellow, you'd almost argue it more as a dive. Uh, because he throws himself in to, to initiate contact and make it look like there's a foul. See, you could argue that. Yeah. I think that would have been a little harsh. I'm not. I'm not actually losing a whole lot of sleep yeah. over that not being a, a, a foul call. <laughs> not over over not being a, yeah, a foul. No, right. But yeah, it's uh, it was. It also it was, helps that it didn't end up leading to any points traded. So yeah, yeah. Mo- <laughs> most importantly, in the end, nothing happened as a result of it. Right. So. You know, right. which is all, which is at that point in the game is all I wanted to see. <laughs> Nothing. Well, right, and I thought it was going. It was clearly going in the direction. It was set up to go in the direction of what you had talked about when I had asked you, "Would you rather have a red card or a penalty kick?" And you're like, "Well, I'd want both." That was almost what Leeds was given, which was that scary. Is, that is, yeah. I, and the only reason there that's different is we talked about is because it's at the very end of the game. I mean, Arsenal would have played with ten men for maybe maybe five minutes. Like that's not yes. Definitely. And at that point, at that point, the way they had played. I mean, let's let's we haven't quite said this directly. Second half, Arsenal was terrible. Um, and so that's Leeds. Leeds played yeah. very well. Arsenal was a mess 
they were they were lucky. Leeds was very wasteful. They missed a number of opportunities close in that frankly they should have buried and it's a different game at that point. We were I mean you know this uh, uh old saying in sports uh, I'd rather be lucky than good and and we were we were <laughs> lucky and not good on Sunday. So but you know what it is 3 points and right also later that day Manchester City lost so we are 4 points clear right now which is Oh, that's great. A happy surprise. Yeah, it is also, we can say, uh, call it uh, uh, Invincibles Day because it means uh, that Manchester City is the last team to lose in the Premier League this season, which means uh, that the Arsenal Invincibles remain the last team to go a season without a loss for at least one more year. Oh, okay. (laughs) Gotcha. (laughs) Which is always always a delight to see. Yeah, interesting. So, so we were still ahead of them because they. How, how did that work before they lost this week? I know we were still at the top of the league. They must have had a draw. Or no, something? they lost. They they were they went to Anfield. They played Liverpool and lost. We were up by, by we were up by a point coming into the day. We won and they lost, so we picked up three points. So we are now four ahead. Um, yeah, of, now of now we are. Right, I'm talking about like last week um and and before that for for the whole season, we've been at the top of the standings, I thought the the whole season through, weren't we? Yes, we've we have been top of the table, but Ma- Manchester City has largely been right with us. Um they have I'm trying to pull up the the full table Cuz I'm trying to think see. since we had the one loss, if they hadn't lost yet either, I'm trying to figure out how They that they have works. they have two draw. They had two draws. That I knew I knew they had draws and then they had two draws oh, and two so they two draws. Oh. Okay. Yeah, so they've they they say they dropped points. So they if they had won those games, obviously they'd be even with us, but be, you know, they dropped two points at each of those games, so they're four behind us right now. I mean, we are Okay. It is early. We are a quarter of the way into the season. Like right. it, it, a lot has happened, and we still have three. That time we spent so far, we have three more of those to go. So, right, buckle up. Yeah, uh, but you know what? We are top of the table. We are top of the league, and it is glorious. Yeah, no, definitely, and and no, what you said about this match was absolutely what I was going to say too. The second half, very, very luck driven for Arsenal. They had uh, Leeds had a ton of opportunities that they just blew. Um, they had a bunch of goals that were just off target. Was the majority of them? And there, there were some good saves from Ramsdale, absolutely, but uh, most of their goals, most of our goal opportunities were just squandered. Um, so it was. It was a nail biter for a yeah. lot of it, <laughs> and 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 we'll say as well as Bamford played, and he obviously helped give them a little extra dimension. As well as he played, he is going to rue the, not just the penalty, but the number of chances that he missed. Uh, you know, it's. Uh, I mean, I'm not going to complain. I don't feel bad about it, but you know, they, mm-hmm. he, he, so that's part of the game too. Is is converting those chances, and they didn't do it. So, yeah. So there, so there you have it. <laughs> All right. Well, I think that's enough for this week. I think we'll save the backlog questions until next time. So, uh, so Keith, what's coming up next week? So this coming week, we have the rescheduled uh, Europa League games. So we'll be fully even on Europa League games. We are going to be uh, at home against PSV Eindhoven, who is our top competition for finishing top of the group. So this and next week when we go to Eindhoven will be two really big games. 
Uh, PSV, by the way, uh, the, the P is for Philips. And so they're a club originally associated with Philips mm. Electronics. So hmm. uh, there's, there's your fun little trivia there. And then Sunday, <laughs> uh, we will be at Southampton, which is a tricky place to go. Should be an interesting game. Obviously, again, games coming <laughs> fast and furious for us. But uh, Southampton also is a club that at random intervals will lose games 9-0. Uh, they have quite a few blowouts right, on their register. Disgust. Yeah, they'll have quite a few blowouts on their register. Again, two games we should feel confident in, but we're also going to have to play a lot better because I'd rather be lucky than good, but it's not good to be lucky all the time. So Right. <laughs> Uh, one, one actual, one additional question, uh, since you mentioned the back-to-back games versus Eindhoven, we just had the back-to-back games versus, uh, Voodoo Glimt, uh, that voodoo that we do so well. Mm-hmm. And you did, and you did very well there right way, I have to say. <laughs> ah, thank you. Well, so how, is it a typical thing in the Europa League that you play the games back-to-back within your group like that? Uh, no, typically they space them out. Uh, well, you'll, you'll play th- the three teams and then you'll, pl- everybody plays each other once and then you play them a second time. Um, there's a general schedule, like it always looks the same. Like I want to say you're playing like team one, then team two, then team three, then two, then three, then one, or some order like that. So that yeah. you're, okay. like, and it always seems to work out the same way. Um, and it, it's switching home and away so that it alternates who's where, uh, your alternates home and away as best they can. Um, but, but, but yeah, this the, year the, it was the, the queen's funeral proceedings that threw things into disarray. Exactly. And, and it's kind of funny if, if we weren't playing PSV this week, we were set to play Manchester city on Wednesday. So, um, not sure oh, okay. how we feel about, not sure how we feel about missing that game. It'll get stuck sometime, presumably after the new year. Um, mm-hmm. I, we'll have to, we'll have to play them at some point, but, uh, it's, uh, all the little stories that happen over the course of what ends up being a very long season. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thanks for joining us at Gooner U. We are on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and some other places, and we appreciate you subscribing to our show and sharing it with friends. Again, my name is Dove, and you can find me on Twitter at Dove Frankel. With me, as always, is Keith, and you can find him in a pub watching Arsenal matches. Come on, you gunners. <laughs>